Welcome to The Nomadic Professional, a podcast where we hear from successful professionals who put their career in a backpack or RV and travel the world. Let's get this show on the road. Hello and welcome to The Nomadic Professional. I'm here today with Kelsey Kors. Kelsey is somebody that I really admire. I feel that she's able to just travel the world and, you know, just basically slay her job and whatever capacity, wherever she is, she could probably be, she could be hanging off a cliff in Alaska, hanging with bears or, uh, you know, in Texas, chilling with the cool people there. And no matter what, she's, she's just doing the dang thing. So welcome to the show, Kelsey Kors. Thank you. I, man, you've said so many admirable things about me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Well, I only have people on this show that I admire. So you are, we're feeling the love here. We have listeners that um, want to do like you are doing, but maybe nervous, maybe they don't know how. So we're just excited to have you here and dig into your brain for a little bit. So Uh, Enough rambling. Tell us just kind of like a little bit about yourself. How did you go from just, you know, a normal job where you show up every day to one place to perusing all the world has to offer? (laughs) Definitely. So I used to, weirdly enough, be a dolphin trainer. So that was my standard nine to five, which is not really standard at all. Um, and I did really love that job. It was so fun, but I just knew that I wanted to travel. I've loved traveling since college. I studied abroad a whole entire year. So, you know, life kind of started forcing me in, in a different direction. So I quit that job, got this job with Sweetfish Media working remotely, made sure I kind of knew my groundwork, I guess. So I stayed put for about four months Then I sold my car, sold most of my stuff, upgraded car, I should say, because I needed an SUV. I travel with my Great Dane. So upgraded that uh, and then kind of started embarking on this journey to figure out where I want to live. That was kind of the ultimate goal of of all of this traveling. That's so cool. So you said you worked at Sweetfish. I also work at Sweetfish to our listeners who do not know. Kelsey, tell us a little bit about what you do at Sweetfish Media. Yeah. So Rita, you and I are the same role. Um, we are producers. So yes. we produce podcasts. Um, I, I usually say we just answer a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls. <laughs> so for the people who aren't familiar with the back end of podcasting, the episodes, the hosting, what you're listening to right now is only about 30%. Um, There's lots of mixing music, lots of getting other guests and just making sure that the content is valuable to the listeners. So that's what Rita and I do. We work the back end and every now and again, we get to do fun things like this and be hosts and guests. Exactly. And I'm curious, Kelsey, I don't really know if we've had a chance to talk about this, but do you have any passion projects or things or dreams that aside from Sweetfish that you really want to pursue while you're on the road? That's a great question. So if I'm being completely transparent, I would love to find a relationship, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I love traveling solo and that is been amazing because I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. 
but there are moments where I get into a new town or maybe I don't have something to do on a Friday night that I'd be like, man, it would be nice to like share this with someone. And although that's not a motivator enough for me to be on dating apps or anything like that, every now and again, uh, it is definitely something that I think about. Yeah, that's really good. It's a good point um, because I'm sure we have a lot of independent female listeners who dream of the nomadic lifestyle, working, going to see places on their own. Um, But there's also the very real aspect of loneliness. How do you deal with loneliness on the road? Um, And what would you suggest for people who are kind of experiencing that as they travel? That is actually, or was actually my biggest fear with leaving Florida. Mm. So I had lived in Florida for six years and I kind of strategically chose places at the beginning that I already knew someone. So I chose Texas first in the winter because I didn't want to go anywhere cold because I had been (laughs) living in Florida. So I had a couple of friends that lived there. So I wasn't going completely blind, which was really nice. I was in Alabama for a little while and I had met someone there who I was like a friend of a friend in Texas. So I don't go places completely blind. I'm actually in Florida right now. I got in last night with my dog and I am going to Nashville on October 2nd. So I know a couple people, but I'm not like, horribly friendly with them or mm-hmm. I guess horrible is probably the wrong adjective. <laughs> <laughs> no, it can feel like a lot if to go blindly. So I feel like creating a network of people somehow across the world in whatever way you can and going to see those people. And as you meet more people, it kind of waterfalls. It's like a waterfall effect. Absolutely. Then it it feels not as lonely, but also more exciting too, because then you have friends everywhere (laughs) instead of just one place. And I try to have at least a little bit of at least someone I know or someone I could reach out to in the event that there was like an emergency or like, what if I got a flat tire? Like I know how to change a tire, but sometimes you just need to like call someone and be like, Hey, can you just come watch me change this tire? So I'm not alone. Exactly. Um, so basically, okay. So you have a network of people, you go everywhere with kind of a place and person in mind, but For the people that you've encountered that were not someone that you know or um, not someone that you knew, um, was there anyone that really inspired you or just kind of changed your, just rocked your world that you met along your travels so far? I have met a, a lot of really cool people, especially in Texas. They are really friendly in Texas, I guess. Um, recently, you know, that's a really hard question to answer because with COVID and with social distancing, Mm -hmm. a negative effect of that is I feel like people are just generally less friendly and that maybe not even on purpose, just, you know, everyone's trying to do their own part. And so I think kind of by default, you're less friendly and you're kind of more standoffish with the current state of everything. So I was actually up in Alaska over the summer. So I was up there for a couple of months and COVID hadn't hit as hard up there, mm-hmm. or maybe they had just a little bit better of 
um, infrastructures and, and plans in place. So I met some super cool people up there. I have a friend in the Coast Guard and just experiencing what their day-to-day life looks like up in Alaska was super fun. Um, like you said, seeing bear and fishing and I ended up mailing like 30 pounds of fresh fish back to my parents in Pennsylvania. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> so that's super fun. So I'm hoping you know, when the world goes back to normal, I could probably circle back to that question. Uh, it's been a little bit of a pause right now. Um, and Nashville will be the first place that I've, you know, really dove into mm-hmm. since COVID started hitting really hard. Right. So backtrack to Alaska for a second, because it was such, just hearing it from you, just knowing each other, it was just such an amazing experience. What's one thing that you did in Alaska that was so uncharacteristic of you, of yourself, that you're so proud that you did, but it's just like really cool at the same time? Let's see. I really enjoy fishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just I grew up in the sticks, so (laughs) that was always something that I did, but like I got really good at salmon fishing, which salmon, for people who know nothing about fishing, um, red salmon especially, they actually don't bite on the bait or the hooks, so you have to do this thing called flossing, and this is fly fishing, which sounds insane, right? Right. Yeah. So it's where you like drag the hook right in front of their mouth. And then when it's like in their mouth, then you like yank to set the hook and it's so hard. And then salmon are also like freakishly strong. So I'm a very impatient person. So as soon as I got a bite or as soon as I like actually hooked into a fish, I would be like, oh my gosh, I need to reel it in right away, but you can't or else you'll break the line because they're so strong. So then it turns into like a five to seven minute battle. And like, oh my goodness, you barehanded fun. Yeah. You barehandedly battle fish. <laughs> exactly. So you're like, and then you have to keep tension on the line and then you have to let it out if the fish goes too far away so you don't break the line. And there's like this art form to it. And then if you don't keep tension on the line, you will end up losing the fish. And then you're just like, I just battled that fish for so long. And now I'm mad because it's gone. And again, I'm not a very patient person. It kind of sounds like dating, to be honest. Exactly. That is actually probably the truest analogy ever. Um, All this time and investment and reeling in and at the last second, you just lose it. and You lose it. You lose it. It's true. So learning how to fly fish and actually kind of becoming pretty good. I'm like, I'm just a regular Bear Grylls right here. That's Um, so cool. I love that. So basically, there's a lot of people out there that haven't even started this lifestyle. They've had fears. Like you mentioned, one of your fears was not knowing anybody. Um, For anyone who wants to start this really cool, just travel, living life to the fullest um, lifestyle, what should they start doing? I think the hardest part is actually starting, to be honest. I think it's just the initial, for me, I think it was probably selling my car and getting an SUV. Mm. And then when that happened, I bought totes. 
strategically, you know, to maximize space and stuff. And then after that moment, I was kind of like, oh, I'm definitely doing it. So it's the initial just like push to go do it. So the initial push of just going out and doing it and starting the journey. When you're on the road, that part's not hard. And when you're driving from point A to point B or even finding a place to stay, you know, that ended up always kind of falling into place for me. So it was just the getting going. I would also recommend if there's anyone who's listening and they love like stuff, like clothes or shoes, you're going to definitely have to change that lifestyle. My whole life is condensed into four stackable totes. And then I have one medium sized tote for like random toiletries and stuff like that. And one of the totes is devoted to my dog. So you really have to have the ability to condense your whole entire life. Yeah, that sounds like a challenge for sure. Um, Like what other challenges kind of like that do you face when you are on the road? Well, probably my largest challenge, which I think will end up being kind of funny is, so I have a great Dane. She travels with me. She has always lived with other dogs. So I knew it was going to be hard for her to all of a sudden, you know, not be living with other dogs, but I hadn't created her since she was a puppy. So I was in Texas and I like went out for drinks and I came back. I'm like one of those creepy dog moms that has a camera watching her dog. So I was watching her the whole entire time, just seeing what she's doing And I saw her like kept going over to the door. So when I came back, she had destroyed a door handle because she was like convinced that she could open it. And of course, renting, yeah, horrible. So I needed to buy a crate for her because she couldn't be left alone. I, I can't have her destroying stuff, especially when I'm renting. So that was a huge challenge because I had planned how I was going to stack things in my car, not with a crate in it. And the crate is collapsible, but it just doesn't fit in very well. So I ended up making it work enough. But most recently, when I came down to Florida, I was convinced that if I got a roof rack, I could like strap it to the roof rack. So I'm (laughs) literally driving to Florida yesterday and I make it eight hours Everything's going marvelously. I stopped for McDonald's because obviously I need McDonald's and my dog needs a happy meal. And I get back on the road and I don't know if a strap came loose or something, but it was making a horrible sound, this crate. So I stopped like five times to try and get it better, but I like could not do it. And then I was like getting anxiety because it's making this pounding sound as I'm on the highway. And I'm like, I'm going to, this crate is going to fall off. And so I called my mom. I'm like having a huge amount of anxiety. And I was like, mom, I'm about to leave it on the side of the road. I'm just about to leave the whole (laughs) crate. (laughs) Exactly. And she was like, okay, maybe just calm down. And I was able to fit it in the back, but then my dog wouldn't sit in the back where I normally have her. Then she would only sit in the front seat, which is not very safe because- because your dog is very large. <laughs> yeah, my dog's also 100 pounds. I don't need her like going through the windshield if we're in an accident or something. So it was a whole fiasco. And 
I like never expected the crate to be, I think that's probably my largest challenge today is how the heck do I transport this crate with her? What did you end up doing with the crate? (laughs) So I threw it in the back of my car on top of everything and drove the remaining six hours. And I listened to like squeak, 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 squeak the whole entire time because of the way it was like hitting a, a crate, which was better than the pounding on the top. The pounding. But yeah, I thought my roof was going to collapse in my car. I was like, my new, my car that is only one year old, like I'm going to break it with this dumb freaking crate. That's so funny. But that's such a real story. And that's like stuff that people don't talk about when they're doing, um, when they're going through their travels and, you know, they make everything seem so luxurious and, and easygoing, but there are going to be challenges that we inevitably will interact with. And the crate is the best example of that. It's just pure frustration on the road. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it was. Pure frustration. <laughs> right. I guess my other question is how do you you know, you have the dog, you go, you're driving on your own to places. It's not like we're in a world right now where we can just jet set and th- that the transportation aspect is taken care of for us. How are you able to work? What does your work setup look like? How do you plan your work for the day? Just kind of give us your productivity tips and hacks for the road. So I usually always try to travel on a weekend day, if not two weekend days. At Sweetfish, we're lucky enough to work remotely even before all of this COVID stuff happened. So traditionally, I've been able to maybe work in the morning a little bit and then wherever I am for the night, usually that's when I kind of do the rest of my work. Most of my clients um, communicate with me via email. So through usually at any like pit stops or something, I'll always check my email and then you know, do a hot spot if something needs to be tended to right away. Most recently, I traveled Friday, a Friday afternoon. So I did a bunch of work during the day. I only ended up driving like six hours. And then I did a bunch of work after that and then flowed into Saturday and Sunday of travel. And I was able to catch up and kind of pre-plan things for Monday because I I didn't know like if I was going to be tired today or you know what exactly it was going to be. I got up at 7 a.m., which is very uncharacteristic of me, and I was really annoyed at my body for getting up so early. So that's cool. So basically, it's like do the brunt work of the traveling if possible on the weekends, just get where you need to go so that in a remote, you know, if you do have the remote job, which nine times out of 10, we'll probably working remotely if we're able to travel like the way that we want. Um, The week is kind of just settled wherever we are. But as far as like gear and gadgets and stuff, like how do you pack all that? What do you what do you do? Just be real with us. Like, what do you use? What do you do? So the mic that I'm on now is just a little desk mic, and it's just about the smallest uh, condenser mic that you can get. I think when I did some research, that was like pretty okay. I have a bag that I, I guess it's just like a giant purse. It's like one of those like very iconic mom bags. Sorry, mom, (laughs) if you're listening to this. We love you, mom. (laughs) Exactly. So I can fit my laptop, I can fit uh, my headphones, and usually my mic all in that bag, and I always keep that one in the front seat. Again, 
just in case I have to like, you know, if I had like some sort of client emergency and I ended up pulling over at a rest stop, I don't have to like go rooting around the back. Um, another kind of tip that I didn't do at the beginning that I do now is I pack like some sort of overnight bag. So when I first started traveling, I was like, oh, why would I pack an extra overnight bag when I have all of my clothes in these totes? And it was a huge pain to go through. And of course, like the stuff that I needed was in the very lowest tote and I needed to pull everything out. So now I do like a little go bag. And, you know, if I'm traveling for like three or four days, you know, that's usually what I use. I also have just actually got Quinn's, which is my dog, her food bowls. I got this really cool food bowl storage off of Amazon. So it's a tote, but her bowls are built into the top of it. And then her food goes in the bottom. So that like exponentially takes out some things. And that's always at the back of my car. So I just have to pull that out. You know, if I'm staying at a hotel or staying at a friend's house for the night and it's like right there. So advice would be even though you have your whole life in there, it's a pain in the butt to go through it all and have a go bag and have all of the stuff that you think you'll need as you're traveling handy. No, for sure. You got to Sometimes you just got to go. You need your go bag. You, you don't ever know. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know where you're going to end up when, when you're on the road and you're as sociable and lovely as Kelsey is. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go. And I think it makes a lot of sense to just separate the essentials uh, in one bag. As far as that dog tote food bag storage situation, that sounds awesome. We're totally going to link that in the description for you, for any of those, uh, for any of our basically, for any of our travelers who have pets and go everywhere. That sounds so cool. I don't have a dog. I really want one, but I totally would want one if I had that. (laughs) So, okay. So it's so cool where I know we're in COVID. My phone's going crazy. Okay. So I know we're in COVID times now. I know that there hasn't been as much traveling to do, but let's, let's take a trip down memory lane for a minute and, and relieve us of the present. Tell us of one of the coolest places that you have traveled to pre-COVID um, and give us a cool story about this place. Just somewhere that, you know, would take us away, that would just blow us away, Kelsey. <laughs> so pre-COVID, I was lucky enough to travel abroad my entire junior year. So I went to the Gambia, which is in West Africa. I lived in Ecuador. I went to the Galapagos for three months. And then I lived in India for a while. And I actually get this question a lot because I have been lucky enough to live on every continent except for Antarctica. So that is just wild. But every place is so different. Um, In Africa, the people there were easily the happiest people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, they just are living their own lives, which was, you know, wild just to see that different lifestyle. I also really loved India because I lived in like literally a tree house. So that you was lived awesome. in a tree house in India? Yeah. Guys. For like four months. We haven't <laughs> lived until we've lived in a tree house in India like Kelsey has. 
we're going to need to see pictures of said treehouse. <laughs> yeah. The door was actually in the floor. So you like climbed up and then that's where, that's how you entered through the floor. Yeah. How did you end up in the treehouse? You just climbed a little ladder. No, no, no. Like how did you get the connections and the place, you know, who did you know, have to know and meet to end up in a treehouse? I'm blown. I'm not processing this. This is too cool for me. <laughs> So that's how my college had it set up. And the running joke, which I have no idea if it was true or not, was you stayed in tree houses because they have like these poisonous centipedes and I guess they can't climb something like that. And so it was like for protection. But again, that could have just been the locals like messing with us. So I've got no idea if that was true or not. But yeah, that's where that's where we stayed in like our had our like mosquito nets and stuff. And it was super duper fun. I went to Fiji. That was awesome. And we lived on a catamaran for 10 days. So I, every place is just so different that I have highlights from everywhere. And I actually got to see and walk on the island that Castaway was filmed on in Fiji. So like just kind of cool little nuggets of information and uh, just learning because I love to learn. So when I go to these fun places, I actually have a running list on my phone of just like random fun facts. So that's Wait, really Can we cool. get a fun fact about Fiji? Yeah. So Fiji, my favorite fact is it's made up of over 300 islands. So it's not just like one or two, but there's over 300 islands. Not all of them are inhabited though. And is the water really that good? Yeah, it's amazing. I would go swimming in the morning just for funsies, and the water was like 90 degrees. It was so warm. That sounds amazing. That is now mm -hmm. on my, my dream travel yeah. location list, of, of course. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking me along with you on Memory Lane to – places of, of long lost time before. <laughs> um, but I guess if, if you could give anybody just one piece of golden advice, like just a little nugget, um, you know, that wants to do this, but they're too afraid to, what would you, what would you tell them? I would say, and this is a quote that I'm probably going to mutilate at some point that is, the hardest thing to do is to leave. And then when you leave, it was the easiest thing ever. So I think that just going and just doing it, because in my experience, or I guess my advice would be to people, is if you go on the road for a month and you don't like it, you can go back. It's not like you're committed to this forever. If you hate it or if you hate an area, you can just leave. You, you don't have to keep doing it. You could say you tried and then you could realize like, oh, check that off the list. I didn't like it. Or you can do that with a place too. Any places that I go, if I don't like them, I just leave. I love that. And it's, it's so great because people that get like me who get stuck in like, I just get stuck in my head. We, I tend to overthink. For the most part, we are under control of where we're going, if, especially if we're driving. Um, and it's nice to know that wherever you do go, like I, I noticed this from you, Kelsey, whenever you go somewhere new, you come back alive and with a different perspective. And 
you you grow because you don't really grow until you put yourself in uncomfortable situations. So thank you so much for being on the show, Kelsey. I really enjoyed having you. If our listeners want to follow you or your cute dog, Quinn, where can they do so? So if you'd like to connect with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's like my professionalness. Um, if you want to follow my adventures, you can follow my dog. I post to hers a lot more than my own. And her handle is just at Quinbug the Great. And yeah, so you can message me there or on LinkedIn if it's professional or if it's not professional, I guess you can also go. I posted a TikTok once of my dog on there and it got like 500 views and I thought, oh, LinkedIn surprising me. I love that. LinkedIn's where it's at. Thank you so much, Kelsey. And thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time. Thanks, Rita. Thanks for joining us on our journey today. You've been listening to The Nomadic Professional. Follow us on Instagram at Nomadic Professional or our website, nomadicprofessional.com. 